You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. There's been a subject on my mind I've been wanting to preach and and revisit. I did a series on, on prayer early on. But it seems like the subject at the top of many people's lists at New Year's time is to advance and get better at their prayer life. And, uh, and I'd like to preach on that out of Luke 11. So if you could turn to Luke 11 tonight, we're going to look at this text. This is uh, the model prayer. Um, and uh, it's some people call it the Lord's Prayer. In many ways, it's the, it's the disciples' prayer. It's uh, a model prayer for how we should pray. Luke chapter 11, when you find it, if you could stand, we'll, we'll turn to uh, uh, Luke 11, beginning in verse 1, and just read the first four verses here. Luke 11, uh, verse 1. Actually, let's read all the, the, four, the first four verses. Let's read them out loud together. And so just make sure you listen and stay with everybody else. Luke 11, verse 1. Ready, begin. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... One of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins... For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And the focus tonight is not so much on the prayer itself, but on the question that the disciples asked when he, when he it says, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so I'd like to just focus on on a connection between what we do in private and how it looks in public. And there is a connection, and sometimes we skip the private part and we jump right to the public part, and we miss a very important step in the process. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, we do pray for your blessing and your help tonight, and I'm thankful, so thankful for these uh, committed and willing to come out tonight and be in in a service when the roads aren't great and uh, plenty of people stuck, and yet... I'm grateful um, for their willingness and uh, just pray that you protect and keep those that are, that are driving or traveling and then on the way home as well. We just ask for your safety and your help. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've had, um, I mean, obviously we've had an intense winter so far and uh, I was reading that yesterday that our snow total through January 3rd, which was yesterday, is, is a top five total all time to this point. So uh, we've gotten a lot at the beginning. I was also reading, this will make you feel good about yourself if you helped clear some snow yesterday. I was reading that for every 12-inch cube of snow, there's one to two million snowflakes. So you've moved millions of snowflakes over the course of the last couple of days. So congratulations to you guys uh, or girls that have done it. I came home, my wife was doing, I don't want to get in trouble. She was doing it when I came home today. So don't you love it when the plows come by after you've done all the work and they leave a mountain of snow in front of your driveway? That's just the best. Okay, so, um, you know, as I was clearing snow at our house, I 
started thinking about superpowers. Now, this is something that guys do on occasion. So ladies, just understand this is how our brain works. I think about superpowers sometimes. And when something is hard or I'm working on something, I'm thinking, I'm a, I start imagining all the powers that I could use when we get feet of snow all at once. And by the way, next year this time, it would be, it's going to be 24 inches of snow when we talk about this storm because that's the way it works. So millions of snowflakes. So I, I was thinking if I had super speed, I could shovel so much faster. I was thinking if I had super strength, I could, it would enable me to shovel and never get tired. And then I, I kind of maybe jumped the shark a little bit when I thought, um, if I had laser eyes, I could melt all the snow. Just, just all of it, gone, you know. Um, or, it, or if it's hot enough, maybe it evaporates, I don't know. Then I even thought about, well, what about tornado breath? And I don't mean bad breath, okay? You say you already have tornado breath, but no. I mean the ability just to blow it all away. Wouldn't that be nice? And especially I was tempted because last fall, one of our neighbors, I drove down the street and I saw her with a leaf blower and she was blowing all of her leaves into the neighbor's yard, not even her yard. I was thinking she deserves all of this snow. I should <laughs> blow all the snow into her yard. You know, then I thought, well, maybe it's a good thing I don't have superpowers. So, you know, it got me thinking, though, um, what I, if I could just have any, if I could do anything, if I could have any power, if I could have any ability... Um, what would I ask for? And, and in some ways, that's what the disciples are asking about here in Luke 11. That they come to asking Jesus um, a, this question and a, making this request of him. And it gives us insight into what matters the most. Because notice, they don't ask about the regular Christian things. You know, for us, a, a good Christian um, is, you know, church attendance, a good Christian is maybe separation or witnessing or, or serving, you know, the, those extremely important things like that. They are helpful markers. Um, but if you consider those, many times how we define the Christian life is, is we, we assume that the public things are what make us good Christians. We say, well, what I do is, is what defines me as a Christian. And don't get me wrong, it's not bad to have external evidence to prove you're a child of God. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. The problem, though, lies in our thinking about the public markers. Uh, what I mean is we often lean on those when we measure ourselves as Christians. And we often say, well, these are the things that makes me a good Christian. And, and we look to the visible things as the, as, as the true indicators of how spiritual we are or how much of a Christian we are. And though I believe they do provide evidence, I mean, we're going through a series on Sunday nights in James and, and, uh, and we'll pick that up this Sunday, but it's faith works. Meaning the whole idea behind that series is if you have faith, there will be works as evidence. So I'm not saying that evidence is bad, that public markers are bad. I'm not saying that at all. The Christian life should have evidence. What I'm saying, though, is that our Christian life should begin in a much deeper place than our works. Our Christian life doesn't begin in public. And see, when Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he was literally asking them to become his students. And that's what a disciple is, a learner, it's a pupil. And they did a lot of learning. He taught them many truths that changed them and formed their thinking, but that's not all they watched him do. 
They watched him do uh, these incredible miracles and, and these, these things that blew their minds, things they'd never seen before, but that's not all they watched him do. I mean, if I put myself in the shoes of the disciples in Luke 11, I might be tempted. Um, Jesus Christ, let's just say he comes to you and he says, I'm going to let you do anything you want. I'll give you the ability to just do whatever. You just ask me anything and I'll give you the ability. And I might have said something like, Lord, teach me to walk on water because that was the most impressive thing I've seen you do. Hands down, that was amazing. Or I might say, Lord, teach me how to raise a dead person back to life. That's incredible. Lord, you blew my mind. I just can't even believe you could do that. I might even say something, Lord, Lord teach me how to heal a sick man. Maybe one of the disciples um, has, a, has a mother or, or a family member that's deathly sick. And in their minds, they're thinking, if I could just heal them. That God teach me how to heal because that really is what I would want to do. If I was there, I would have asked for something like that probably. I would have been like, God, give me the ability to do something impressive and something big. Something that I, I, a public marker that I can make a difference with. And, and I'm kind of glad I wasn't there. I'm kind of glad that I wasn't there in Luke 11 because I might would have embarrassed myself by asking for something big. And it, the disciples could have asked for anything but you know what they asked for? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all the things that they could have asked for, of all the powers they could have had, of all the abilities they could have had, it wasn't, uh, they weren't thinking about anything except this private action, this, this, this invisible to most people, this invisible work that Jesus did behind closed doors. And, and in, in some ways, this is a similar request, in my mind, to how Solomon, over in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, when God said, ask me for anything, and Solomon said, uh, I will take wisdom. And in asking for wisdom, God gave him all the public things. He gave him influence and wealth and riches and honor and all of that. And see, the idea is this is a blueprint um, for the Christian life. Solomon got the public things because he prioritized the private things. And God is looking for followers who place an emphasis on a private relationship over public showmanship. Private relationship over public showmanship. See, Solomon experienced it in the question the disciples asked proves they were on to it as well. Because like everyone, they'd seen Jesus at his best. They, they'd seen the crowds work themselves into a frenzy when Jesus would heal or, or walk on water or whatever it was. I know the disciples only saw him. We don't know. Maybe he did walk on water in front of others. Uh, all the acts that he did aren't listed in the Bible, John says. I mean, there are, who knows what he did? Maybe some of the things that, that would blow our minds the most didn't even get mentioned. Um, but But... The disciples saw what he did in public like the crowds, but the disciples also saw what he did behind closed doors. And because of that, they were able to link what he did in public with what he did in, in private. They were able to link his public markers with his private practices. They knew there was a connection between what he did in front of the multitudes and what he did when nobody was watching. They had seen him heal the sick and produce food for thousands and then retreat in private to spend time with his father and then the next day wake up and go out and do it all over again. 
And we're not told that, or we are told that Christ um, spent not just minutes, but hours or all night or sometimes days at a time in prayer. And the disciples knew there was a strong connection between what he did in public and what he did in private. And they, they saw his dependence. This is Jesus Christ. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's the son of God. He is 100% God. But they saw him being dependent on his father and his father's power through his prayer life. So they could have asked for any superpower. They could have asked for anything. And instead they say, they, we see the strength of your walk with your father behind closed doors. So of all the things you could teach us, teach us to pray. Because they knew this truth, that private prayer equals public power. Private prayer equals public power. Anything you can do in public as a Christian will be ineffective unless it's done in God's power. Based on what the disciples ask in Luke 11... They saw the connection between those two things, the power of God and, and Jesus' prayer life. So here's my question for you tonight. If Jesus Christ leaned on prayer to do the work of God, how can I assume I don't need to? This is the Son of God. If anybody has power to just go and do it on his own, it's him. And yet as an example to us, he leaned on the power of his Father to, to do the work of his father. Prayer is necessary and important, but I'm telling you, it seems like the things that are most necessary and most important are also the most difficult, aren't they? I mean, we have a Bible full of evidence to tell us that to pray and, and explain the benefits of prayer and how vital it is to empowering us in the work of God, but it's just not easy. And why is that? Well, I think it's hard because maybe we misunderstand it, and this may be more of a topical type message tonight but but just to give you some thoughts on prayer uh, we assume it's something it's not see prayer is di spiritual discipline it, it is it is it is work it's labor and the word discipline doesn't typically inspire positivity i mean you know this that's not what most people be, they don't get excited about discipline um, discipline's hard. It's like exercise. And, and maybe you're trying to do that this year at the beginning of the year and, and you want to do it, but your body says no. I mean, I, I was, you know, after spending a couple days moving snow around and, and all that, I, man, I was walking up the stairs today, like I move, I turn, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm groaning it with every move, you know, just all these things that I haven't done in a while. You know, it's, that's, discipline's tough. It, you get sore, don't you? you? It's a lot of work. Prayer is discipline. And what people misunderstand about prayer is that it's not an effect. It's a cause. See, some people, I believe that people think um, is that the longer you're saved, the more you just pray because it just oozes out of you. Well, no. Now, if that was the, for instance, I mean, that's, that is one category of Christian of Christian trademarks or characteristics, um, for instance, like the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, those things. Those are fruits of the Spirit. And those are, those are evidences that a person uh, is being led by the Spirit of God. Okay, when you walk close to God and you're connected to God, like Jesus said in John 15, if you stay connected to the vine, you're going to bear fruit. You don't necessarily choose to bear fruit. You choose to stay connected. And by staying connected, you bear fruit. 
That's the idea of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, on the other hand, Galatians 5, 16 also says this, I say then walk in the, uh, walk, no, it says walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you've got the lust of the flesh on one side, which those are works, and then you've got fruit of the Spirit, which those just happen because you submit yourself to the Spirit on a daily basis. Love and joy and peace, you just, you don't force them. You can't make them happen. Um, they happen in the way that an apple doesn't make itself grow. It's the product of a seed planted in good soil with the right amount of nutrients and the right amount of water and the right amount of sunlight. And, and then an apple tree produces fruit in the right conditions. And not because it's thinking hard. No, but it's because it's connected to the right things. So prayer is not listed as a fruit of the Spirit, is my point. Meaning, in other words, prayer doesn't just happen in the right conditions. You don't, you, you don't get to say, well, I've been saved for 15 years now. So I'm just, prayer is, someday prayer is just going to happen. I'm just going to wake up and be like, dear Heavenly Father, I, mean, I didn't even mean it. It just came out. Well, no, that's, it's, that's, the Bible doesn't say it's a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, prayer doesn't happen, just happen in the right conditions. It's a commandment, not a fruit. I mean, you've got command after command, Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. It's a command. It's imperative. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. No, it doesn't say, hey, if, if you're saved for any length of time, just wait. Prayer will happen. No, it says go pray. 1 Timothy 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. The reason that Paul had to uh, emphasize this to Timothy is because it doesn't just happen. Jeremiah 33, 3. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You have to be told. We have to be told. Jeremiah had to be told. Matthew 26, watch and pray. James 5, 16, pray for one another. It's over and over and over again. We're commanded to pray. We have to be told to pray and how to pray. And here's why. Because prayer is not a fruit to be displayed. It's a command to be obeyed. It's not a fruit that just, it, it's not a fruit to be displayed. It's a command to be obeyed. You don't just wake up and now you're a prayer warrior. No, you will have to choose on a daily basis to have the discipline to bow before God and seek him in prayer. And joy and peace happen when we walk in the spirit. You don't force them, but prayer is obedience. And we must discipline ourselves to pray. And I know it's hard. I know it's strenuous. I know it's work. And I mean, again, I'm going back to the snow removal example because it's fresh on my back. I mean, it's fresh on my mind. You know, it's, it's hard. And, and I, you don't just get to, I guess if you wait long enough, the snow will be removed. But who can wait till April, right? Or May, depending on the winter. No, you, it's strenuous. It's hard work. You have to choose to do it. You've got to choose to get dressed to do it. And I mean, th today I ran home and, and I was in just kind of in normal clothes. And I looked at the, with the, the snow plows left in front of our driveway. And I was like, you know, not thankful for it in that moment. I said, I'm just going to grab the, the snowblower and go try to knock it out real quick in my regular clothes. So I went out, and as soon, as soon as I turned toward the north, and that snow blew out of the blower and boom, all over me. And I'm just standing there like a snowman now in my regular clothes. So I turned it off and walked inside, and, and I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do it right, i got to go change into my snow-blowing clothes. 
So I had to go change into my snow-blowing clothes. I didn't want to, but that's what I had to do. You've got to just do it. It's like exercise, and prayer is like that. We just must, we have to decide that we won't stop just because it gets hard. We have to decide that we won't quit just because it seems like nothing is happening. Uh, it's like Luke, it, later in the chapter, in verses 5 through 13, it, the, the word is importunity, and it's about um, you know, just the, the, res, the re resolve, is the word I'm looking for, the resolve to pray and not give up until, you, until God answers you, either no or yes, but not just to give in after prayer one time. That's not the example of Scripture. That is what it means to be disciplined. You know, they typically say that if you want something to become a habit, you've got to do it for 30 days in a row. Well, I think most Christians, the reason they don't have the habit of prayer is because prayer is one or two days in a row and then they've got a lull and then they've got to get back to it and forget about there's never a 30-day-in-a-row habit-forming time of prayer. The same time, same place, every day with a list and fervency, that's what we need. That's prayer. It's discipline. Here's why we have to obey to the end in the area of prayer. If you rely on life experience, then you're, you're going to eventually face something that you don't have an answer for. I mean, I, I every day it seems like. Yeah, I don't know about, about you, but there's so many things that are just beyond me, out, over my head. I mean, there's, I've been in many situations in my life, whether in health or relationships or just a trial or a tragedy. I mean, every time I deal with somebody who's going through a loss or a trial, I mean, I, there's, I don't have the answers to, for that. And you've been there. You don't have the answers for everything. And the reason you need prayer is because in life there will be times that come that you don't have an answer for it. As good as education is... Our limited minds can only take us so far. You, you can go get an education. Now, these days, everybody's pushing our young people to go get an education. Like that's going to solve all your problems if you just go get a diploma. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that philosophy. Especially when you consider how many people get diplomas and go into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to get that diploma. And then they get out, uh, out of school and they get a job that has nothing to do with that diploma. I mean, just be my, take counsel, young people. Don't just assume. And I went to public school. I'm telling you, when I got a public, out of public school, I was convinced that a degree would solve all of my problems. And it doesn't. I mean, follow the Lord. That will solve all your problems. You know, so, so get, you know, we have to understand education, you know, our culture right now thinks that education is going to solve all of our problems, but um, go, start doing some research on what teachers in our public school system are teaching kids right now, and you know, they're not solving, they're contributing to the problems. And education, it can only take you so far that you need prayer because education isn't going to solve all your problems. As important as develop, now I'm not saying education is wrong, understand that. Uh, education, if that's what God wants for you, uh, do it. But you still have to understand that God, even when you're getting your degree and a master's or a doctorate, we've got people in this room with a PhD, and I'm thankful for it. But even they would tell you that that PhD is not what solves life's problems. Their relationship with God is the answer to their life's problems. So uh, as important as developing talent is. I'm thankful for the talents we have right here in this room, but you're, understand, you'll never, in whatever field you're in, you'll never be the most talented person in that field. 
So talent is, uh, and hard work doesn't solve all your problems. I think you ought to develop your gifts. But our talents are limited and our abilities will eventually fade. I'm thankful for the advancements of, of health care and, and medicine. But doctors have limitations. And medicine doesn't solve all of our problems. I, I like technology, but church technology um, can only enhance real ministry. That's why we don't lean on technology to solve all the problems or create excitement in our services. We use technology. We use electricity. We use things that, that help it. But we don't assume that if we pump more of that into our services that the spirit is suddenly going to show up. No, it's, that's not the answer. I mean, you, all of these areas of life, I'm not just downing those areas. I'm getting you to understand that, that in those areas, as good as those things are, they cannot do for you what God can do for you. They have their advantages. I mean, healthcare and technology and education and, and strength and exercise. I mean, there's good in all of that. But all those things are also limited. But with prayer, you get all that God has to offer, which means there's no limit. So in all of those other areas, there are limitations. But the reason we must pray is because that's the one source in life without limitation. The most important things in life depend on what God can do alone. I mean, saving a soul. I mean... As, as good as education is, it can't touch the need of somebody to be saved. Only God can do that. I mean, to bring a backslidden person back from, from the world and to, into the fold and to be right with God again, only God can do that. I mean, to heal a body when a doctor has no answers, I mean, only God can do that. And to rebuild a relationship or restore a relationship with a family member that maybe you've been at odds um, for years and years and years. I mean, all the talent and PR and, and diplomacy that you have and your personality, it, it's only so, it can only goes so far. Only God can actually restore a relationship like that. For, to, to give you the ability to forgive. I mean, to forgive somebody when they've wronged you. Which, if there's an offense that you can't forgive, I mean, listen, that's what you get when you try in your own strength. That's why Jesus said, I mean, the disciples said, how often shall we forgive? I mean, 70 times 7, and, you know, and or 7 times, and Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. What he was doing was he was comparing their ability and themselves. 7 times seems like a lot, but Jesus says, no, but 70 times 7 is impossible. That's why you have to have God's help to do it. Forgiveness is a supernatural work. It doesn't just happen. And if you lean on your own devices, you're going to be a bitter person. You must have God's help in your life. And when you consider that God, through, through Jesus Christ, forgave you for your sins, that gives you the ability to forgive somebody else. I think about our church. I mean, we, we could try to revamp things and have all these neat programs and and have everything, all of our ducks in a row. We want our ducks in a row. We want to be organized. We want to have things going in the right direction. But if God doesn't show up in our services, we're never going to have revival. This church making a kingdom difference in our, in our city. I mean, we can have good testimony and good PR. But, but if we want people to really see lives changed, then only God can do that. 
So to connect then how we started tonight, the things that can be seen in public are only enabled in so much as we take care of the things that we do in private. Your private walk with God is the only source of public power uh, in doing God's work. And the disciples connected that to, in Jesus' life. And I'm thinking, if Jesus took those steps, I need to take that step. Public power is the result of private prayer, and private prayer is the result of disciplined obedience. The disciples saw it, and they asked Jesus how to pray. Who am I to think I can bypass something that important? Our public success begins in private discipline, but private discipline has to begin with a choice. Listen, you're at the beginning of a year. We're just a few days in. And in, a, in a, the time of year like this, uh, you can make a choice right now to start a habit in your life, to, to, to affect the rest of your life if you will simply be disciplined in the obedience of prayer. And, and it is time. You're not, you can't wait your whole life. You can't, be, you can't spend the next 20 years and think it's just going to come easier. It doesn't. It's always hard. It's always a choice. It's always labor. But I'm telling you, when you realize that you get what God has to offer, that will motivate you to start making the choice to pray as you ought to. You know, we need to be people for whom prayer is the first resort, not the last resort. Prayer is not the least we can do. It's the most we can do. Andrew Murray said that time spent in prayer will yield more than that given to work. Meaning, there's a lot of people with a good work ethic. But those that will labor in prayer will see more accomplished than those that just labor. Prayer alone, he says, gives work its worth and its success. Prayer opens the way for God himself to do his work in us and through us. Let our chief work as God's messengers be intercession in it. We secure the presence and power of God to go with us. So my question tonight is, is how is your obedience in the discipline of prayer? How does your labor of prayer compare to your labor of life? Because our labor of life often is a bubble this big. And our labor of prayer is often a bubble this big. And I'm thinking we probably ought to grow this bubble to, to, in proportion to be more balanced to this bubble over here is that our prayer is this small and our life is this big. There will come a time where we don't have enough over here to power that which is going on over here. Do you skip the private relationship and jump straight into public showmanship? Don't live the Christian life without the power of God. And don't wait for prayer to get easier. It's a command. It, it requires discipline. It re, and we must obey. And as you do, then that private practice will result in public power. Do you need to take some steps in prayer this new year? I just close with this. Lord, teach us to pray. Because prayer is the superpower of the Christian life. And maybe tonight, even in a room you know, with fewer people than normal, but can you imagine... If God got a hold of this group of people to be people of prayer and we all just decided, no, we're going to make life in 2023 about prayer. Can you imagine what God might do in our church? What God could do in our families? What God might do in our neighborhood? Or what he might do in our city? 
You know, I, I've heard of revivals starting with prayer, with a decision for prayer in a group much smaller than this. There's no reason to think that God can't do something great if we would just say, Lord, teach us to pray. Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to encourage you to respond um, to the Holy Spirit as he's worked in you through the word tonight. And uh, don't let the difference in, in the, the, the type of service or the attendance, don't let it affect your, your response. Don't let that be a distraction. If God's working you, in you about prayer, then take some time tonight as the instrument plays. Uh, we'll take some time to just respond to the preaching tonight as the Holy Spirit is leading us. Lord, we love you. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.